till almost midnight and sadly they were not able to fix our toilets in the chapel so I know so we'll all thank the Lord for indoor plumbing forever now um we can instead use the restrooms in Heritage Center and Randall Hall and in Chisholm so for frame of reference If you want to look at your map and your program on page three, which there are extra programs um, on the registration table if you don't happen to have one with you today, Um, you can see on the map the two closest buildings to the chapel are Heritage Center and Randall Hall. And the women's restrooms are basically down a hall to the right or left when you walk in those doors in those buildings. So you may have to hunt for it, but it's not far. So thank you for your patience in that. Um, We also have some books to give away this morning, and Lauren Zoglin was going to help me run these. But one that Miss Mary referred to last night is a great book by Donald Whitney. I've read it before. It's really helpful. I think some college girls read it together this year. Um, Praying the Bible. Would anyone like a copy of Praying the Bible? Okay. Do you see Melody? Our next one is over 100 years old, I believe, which is always fun to read great books from over 100 years ago. So it's called Leaves for Quiet Hours. It's a devotional help. Oh, we got a hand. Here we are. And then our last resource this morning is called Clarifying the Bible. It's by Mitch Mayer. He's a friend of John Henderson. Okay, we see a hand right there. Um, this, and all these books are listed in the back of our program on her resource list. So if you're interested in looking them up for yourself, you can do that. Hi, Shauna. Okay, and also Carolyn Wilcox is going to come through and pass out some index cards to each row. And those index cards are just for um, if you have a question that you'd like to ask Mary in our Q&A later today, you can write it on that index card and bring it up to the front row and just drop it off. Um, So just keep that with you. If you have a question while she teaches this morning or from small group, or just think of something, you can write it on there. We'll collect those um, just after lunch, probably. And then finally, we're going to just take a moment to be silent and prepare our hearts for the morning, try and refocus and think about the things of the Lord. And then Aaron Wheeler is going to lead us in a prayer of praise. Pray with me. Oh God, it's a joy and a privilege to come together this morning as women who are made in your image. We are coming to worship you. As the unfolding of your word brings light, we praise you as the Father of lights who does not change like shifting shadows. We praise you as the one who gives wisdom and understanding. You are the one who opens the eyes of the blind and sets the captive free. You fill the hearts of the lonely and you put them in families. God, we praise you as the author of life and giver of all good things. Apart from you, we have no good thing. 
This morning, we honor you as the one who fills our minds with truth and our hearts with understanding. You're the one who enlarges our hearts and lets us run free in the path of your commands. You are the light that shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it because you're victorious. You win. We have hope today because we know you're on your throne and you've made all things complete. We praise you together as the faithful one, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated right now at your right hand. Father, we rejoice together today as the goodness that we've seen and you've shown us in Jesus. He is a gift we do not deserve, and we praise you for him today. And it's in that name that we pray together. Amen.
Good morning, ladies. What a joy it is to be back with you. I just have to tell you, this weekend has already just been a balm to my soul, not only to just be able to travel again and to be with sisters in Christ, but to be with this specific body has just been a blessing. Your encouraging words to me have just been so uplifting. My husband uh, was pleased to be with your pastor and the elders and interns last night also had a very sweet time of fellowship. And so it is just good that we are gathered together, and I look forward to, to the time that we have today and pray that it will be beneficial to you. I uh, just enjoyed seeing this whole small group thing unfold last night and how well organized all of that is and how you are having a chance to just you know be in a group and, and eye-to-eye with others and just discuss some of these things uh, further, so I think that's just been really helpful. Just in case I fail to say this later, I want to thank Aaron and Haley and everyone else who's worked behind the scenes to put this together. I've been on, on both sides of this. So at the seminary, I've often been on the planning side of women's events, and I'm very type A about that. And, you know, there's just, there's so many details that, that have to be done and have to be done well for this to, to work. And so thank you guys for all of your hard work and just putting it together and prayerfully planning this for so long. And it's just as a as a guest speaker, it's just been a joy to come in here and to be treated so warmly and uh, just, just loving my time here. So as we jump back in now to finish up a bit on gratitude, I wanted to, as I mentioned last night, take a little bit more time to flesh out what I'm talking about by the whole thorn in the flesh and how, how it rather sounds just very bizarre to be talking about being grateful for thorns. This is something that people... Uh, of the world who would, of course, first of all, think that we're nuts on a Saturday morning in the spring to be gathering in a church, to be talking about being thankful. I mean, they just, they don't get it. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But they, they would just think we're completely over the top if we're not going to talk about thanking the Lord for difficulties. But that's what we're doing. And, um, and this is a biblical practice. And so um, the book that was given away this morning by George Matheson is indeed a very, um, it's not an old book, but it's a book that's been published from old writings. George Matheson was a Scottish pastor who lived from 1842 to 1906. And in writing this book, I did a little bit of research and found out about him. He was an amazing man. At age 20, he was struck suddenly with blindness. Um, so he was engaged, but when his fiancée saw that he was blind, she broke it off and left. And so he was living with his sister, because um, just unable to take care of himself. And the day that she married, and he would have to make now other arrangements to live in some facility, he sat down and he wrote, a blind man wrote, however this worked out, a, a hymn. And it's a hymn that we're still singing. It is somewhat of an old-time hymn. It has old English in it, but I feel like some of you will, will remember this hymn. I'll just read the first stanza of it. The title is, O Love That Will Not Let Me Go, O Joy That Seekest Me Through Pain. I cannot close my heart to thee. I trace the rainbow through the rain and feel the promise is not vain that morn shall tearless be. So he wrote four stanzas of it and the story is that he wrote it down and he never changed one word of it. Like the Lord just gave him this to write. I've never written music. I don't know what that's like, but 
I feel like I would change it a hundred times, use my erasable pens to, you know, go back. No, that's not right. He, he just, the Lord just gave him this and he wrote it and it's a beautiful song that's still being sung. He died at age uh, 60, I believe it was, 64 of a stroke. He never married. Um, but what I really have appreciated is a prayer that's attributed to him that I like even more than the hymn, Oh Love That Will Not Let Me Go. So listen to this prayer that he prayed. My God, I have never thanked thee for my thorns. I have thanked thee a thousand times for my roses, but never once for my thorns. Teach me the glory of the cross I bear. Teach me the value of the thorns. Show me that I have climbed closer to thee along the path of pain. Show me that through my tears, the colors of your rainbow look much more brilliant. So there's so many poignant things in there, but that closing line about the colors of your rainbow, he's a blind man. He doesn't see any colors of the rainbow, but he has a memory from the first 20 years of his life, what they look like, and he has an anticipation of what it will be like in glory when he is no longer blinded. So I don't know about you, but if I were struck by blindness at age 20, I don't think I would, one of my first um, endeavors would be to sit down and start writing praise songs to the Lord. I mean, I wish that I could say that I think I would do that, but here's what this man did. And so that's why I think that it is important for us, you know, 200 years later, as we're still talking about this guy, to, to realize just the depth of, of the wisdom in his words and to consider having this thorn list where we actually do, we thank the Lord a thousand times for the roses. So you could call your praise list your rose list. Like all these amazing, wonderful things that the Lord is in himself and then that he has given to us. But then this shorter list, hopefully it's a short list. Some of you may, may have um, longer lists than others and it might be a very private list. There may, may be some things on your thorn list that people are not aware of. Again, this is something that you would write in that book that is for your private use um, and then just try the exercise of praying through that uh, and, and praising the Lord for it. So this is in the book. You don't need to, to write any of these down, but I did want to walk through it with you just to kind of show you how I anticipated that this would work of, of ways to thank God when it hurts. And I know enough about just being here for less than a day now to know that there are people in this very room who are going through very um, serious trials and hurts and, and have done so in the past. And that's just we know what happens in a post-Genesis 3 world. So think through with me just these, these 10 ways that we can thank the Lord when it hurts. And the first is to just thank him for the resolve that he has given you or will give you if you're still not there yet, that this thorn is not going to be the hallmark of your life. Whatever it is, it is not going to overtake and just be your life. We, uh, we want to ask for the Lord to help us boldly to accept the good with the bad. And that very familiar verse from Job 2.10 says, shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? The second one is that thank the Lord because he chose you to walk through this particular adversity for a particular reason. And this one may be harder to swallow depending on, on what the thorn is. We may not understand the reason this side of heaven. We can think of no good reason why we would walk through this. Um, those of us who have issues with, with children can be, it can be very tempting and Satan loves to rush in with this kind of, of thought life of look at this family over here. You know, their children do this and this and this and we're raising ours in the admonition of the Lord. We're, we're doing the same thing and, and, the, and the end result is not the same. And so there's a lot of self-blame that can come in there. 
Instead, we need to turn that around and realize the Lord doesn't make any mistakes. He gives children to the parents specifically that he has created before the creation of the world for them, whether by birth or adoption. And so he has chosen me to have the two children that I have, just like he has chosen you to have the children that you have. And again, we just embrace that and we, and we claim that as, as the providence and the goodness of the Lord. Next, we, we thank the Lord because whether we escape or we endure this present affliction, we have to just constantly be reminded that our life is forever hidden with Christ in God. This present affliction, I'm going to talk about this in the third session today uh, when we talk a little bit more about suffering, uh, is, is even though it seems very um, insensitive to say that it's a light momentary affliction because you know we don't walk in your shoes and it doesn't feel light or momentary to you at all. But the, the truth of the matter is that it is in the grand scheme of us spending eternity with the Lord. Our lives are forever hidden with Christ in God. Another one is that if you have shared your feelings about a particular thorn that is one that you can share with people or it's one that is obvious and cannot be really hidden, um, then the Lord's children have likely and hopefully shown his love to you in profound ways. And these are this is this is a process that you would never have felt had you not gone through the, the thorn that you're, you're walking with now. So this intense brotherly affection that you feel from your brothers and sisters in Christ would not have been there for you without the thorn. Next, number five, we can thank the Lord because he can use our reaction to suffering to encourage struggling believers who are observing how we persevere in this trial. So as we think of our thorn, as we think of others who know about it, and we think of how they are probably behind your back saying, oh, bless her heart, I don't know how she can possibly deal with that. And some make the, the very dangerous and foolish statement, I could, never, I could never deal with that, I could never do what she's doing. Well, first of all, you're not being asked to. The Lord has his plan for you, but it's very dangerous to say, I could never, whatever, because the Lord will equip you to deal with whatever it is uh, that's going to come your way. But but as others are observing you and hopefully to your face are encouraging you, like it's just so amazing to me that your faith does not waver and that your trust is in the Lord. And we affirm you in that and we'll continue to pray and support you for that. And so that will encourage your fellow believers. And in the same way, it will encourage unbelievers who don't understand at all how you can have a thorn list and how you can praise the Lord for the fact that you're walking through this difficult circumstance but they will see that your love for Christ is not dependent on being free from trials. I mean, you do not subscribe to any kind of prosperity gospel falsehoods, but you truly serve a God who is love at all times. And whether it is smooth sailing or whether it is rocky water, you still trust in the Lord. Number seven is that we can thank the Lord because whatever the burden is, he's going to teach you an important lesson in this process that you just would not have learned otherwise. And I can understand how some people can, can consider this one and go, well, Lord, please just get on with it and teach me what the lesson is. This is absolute misery. Okay, I am ready. Teach me. Let's move on. But again, we are not in control. And whatever that important lesson is you are learning, you would not have learned without this particular circumstance. And so you trust the Lord in that and you look forward to it. You think about being in glory and how everything is going to be clear, crystal clear. It's going to be so amazing. It's like the analogy of the of the quilt or, or the blanket rather that the back of it is just a bunch of knotted 
you know, it can just, it just doesn't look like it makes any sense at all. And you turn it around and you see how all of the colors have blended in and it all makes perfect sense. And so, so ponder that uh, on, on the hardest days and realize that that, uh, that eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison awaits. Number eight, thank the Lord because whatever this thorn is that you bear is not going to overwhelm you. There are days when you feel like it may be, but your loving God knows exactly what you are able to bear, and it will not overwhelm you. And we claim the promise of 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with temptation, he'll provide a way to escape that you may be able to endure it. Number nine, thank the Lord for the dependence that your grief causes you to have on him. It just destroys any notion of self-reliance. And I think for many of us, that's one of the best things that these thorns produce is that we are, again, forced to realize we are not in control here. We cannot be self-reliant. We have, as Psalm 16 says, we have set the Lord ever before us because he is at our right hand. We will not be shaken. Our heart will be glad and our whole being will rejoice. And then lastly, we thank the Lord because we do anticipate that great joy of being free from the suffering that you have now. And I love to hear um, Johnny Erickson Tata, what an amazing woman of faith, what an amazing woman who has just proclaimed the Lord's glory in her life. And she's now been in a wheelchair for, I think, 50 years. Um, my, my brother happens to work for her uh, ministry, and there's just she's just amazing. I've been with her. We've had her at Southern Seminary, and she tells these, these great stories with such passion of how when she gets to heaven, she is going to throw that wheelchair across the way, and she will never have need of it or memory of it again. And so she's had cancer. She's had all kinds of thorns, and she's still smiling, and she's such a shining example to all of us that as we anticipate being free from that, it will be so glorious. So those are 10 ways that, that I hope will be helpful. And then one other thing is I would, I would uh, point you to a psalm that's just become so very precious to me. It's kind of tucked away in there. And if you're doing the um, Dr. Whitney's Praying the Bible is a great method of just praying through the psalms. And so whatever day of the week it is is what you start with. So today is the 10th. So um, in, in your quiet time as you start to, to pray to the Lord, and it's one of those things where you don't really know where to start, you just turn to Psalm 10 and you let your eyes Fall across Psalm 10 and see if there are words there that jump off at the page to you that you can pray back to the Lord. Sometimes you'll just stay in Psalm 10. Sometimes you will, it's a short psalm or it's an imprecatory psalm that you, you move on. But then you just, in your mind, you add 30 to that. So then you go to Psalm 40. And you're just, again, looking through Psalm 40, praying that back to the Lord. And then you go to Psalm 70, Psalm 110. And so it just, it works for the whole month. And on the 31st day of the month, you would read Psalm 119, which is the extremely long Psalm. So so I come to the Psalm 131 uh, monthly, and um, it, it never fails to just make me praise the Lord further. And it's just simply this, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. There's a lot of young mothers in this room who understand this, this beautiful analogy, this word picture. We have a, a student, a graduate, who's a beautiful uh, musician, has a, has a beautiful singing voice, and she put this psalm to, to music, and it's just called uh, A Weaned Child. And 
uh, that how a wean child upon her mother rests. I, I can't see the hand that will provide, but I will trust in you and quiet my heart. He uses words from this. And, and so you think about that little, that baby, uh, and all that baby has ever known is nutrition from that mom, that precious relationship that, that a nursing mom has. And then that child is weaned, and there's no, going to be no more nutrition through that method. And what do you mean? Like, I, I don't understand. This is what I've always had. But that child can sit next to, to the child's mother and just be calm and quiet and realize she's not going to let me starve. I know her enough. I love her. She's taken care of me my whole life so far. There must be something better for me. And so I will sit next to her. I will not leave her. I will be there. I still need her. But I'll be calm and I'll have a quiet soul. And, and we read in, in 1 Peter how, and we'll talk about this later too, of how just a gentle and quiet spirit is just precious in the sight of the Lord. Um, what, what a sweet word that we have there that we can know what's precious in the sight of the Lord. And if it's for me to have a quiet and gentle spirit, then that's what I want to have. Uh, speaking of thorns or speaking on, on very happy days. All right, so that's it for, for the, the thorn analogy, but I hope that that further explains that and perhaps that that will help you uh, and those of you who are discipling women who are going through difficult times, and sometimes it's very hard to, to empathize with them because we haven't been through what they've gone through, but we can sit next to them, we can cry with them, we can open God's word with them, and we can pray through these, these thorns and, and look for ways to find the Lord's blessing in that. One last hymn story. I do love stories that go with hymns, and our church is a church that sings hymns, which, which I love. We do also do some contemporary works as well. But there's a hymn that we are all, those of us who've been around for a while, are familiar with. We sing it at Thanksgiving, where a lot of people, this is another one of my pet peeves, by the way, is gratitude's a great topic. Will you come and speak for us? Do it in November. It's like, I'll be glad to do it in November, but this is not a seasonal topic. This is not one that gets put away with the cute little towels. There's all these tea towels that are out now. Have you seen them? Like, be grateful, be thankful. And it's got the cornucopia. Great. That's great. But don't put them away when you get out all the Christmas stuff. It, this, is a, this is a forever thing. So we sing the songs at, at Thanksgiving. You know, um, we gather together is one of them. And another one is now thank we all our God. And it is beautifully done with organ music. I still like to hear the organ play. And so here is the first stanza of that. For those of you who've not heard it, it says, now thank we all our God with hearts and hands and voices, who wonders things has done, in whom his world rejoices, who from our mother's arms has blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today. Okay, so I've sung that song hundreds of times on Thanksgiving, you know, different occasions, etc. And I've, I've, you know, it's pretty plain that's talking about thanking the Lord and and rejoicing, and the thing about from our mother's arms has blessed us on our way. I just kind of thought again about that nursing baby and that sweet relationship that mothers and children have, but there's a story behind it. This hymn was written by Martin Rinkert in the 1600s during Europe's 30-year war. He wrote this as a song of thankfulness that he taught to his children. He wrote it during a two-year siege of the city of Eilenburg, where he was the only clergy. During the siege, over 8,000 people died. He was the only clergy in the city and performed thousands of funerals, including that of his wife. She had starved to death in order to give what little food they had to her, their children. 
He wrote this song so that his children would not doubt the goodness of God during these hard times. So that takes on a whole new meaning to me. This is not just a sweet Thanksgiving hymn written by this pastor in this horrible circumstance. Again, if this happened to many of us, would we sit down and write a hymn to teach to our children, let's be thankful your mother is gone now because she starved to death giving you food, but, but we trust the Lord in all things, and we have countless gifts of love that are still ours today. So, Okay, shifting gears now to the whole idea of um, coming back to gratitude and how we take our understanding of it and our perhaps newfound appreciation for the importance of it, and we apply that now uh, in our in our walk of life, um, and, and look a little bit also at, at how the world looks at gratitude. So gratitude is said to be a parent virtue. So the ancient philosophers have been talking about gratitude. So this is from Cicero. Um, he said that it's the parent virtue, meaning that growth in gratitude begets growth in other virtues. So you start to grow in gratitude, and supposedly you also start to grow in patience and in joy. We also realize that other religions promote gratitude to their false gods as, as a way of earning favor and, and doing good works. The world says this about gratitude. This is from another philosopher. Tacitus said this. He said, men are more ready to repay an injury than a benefit because gratitude is a burden and revenge is a pleasure. So looking at human nature, I mean, is there some truth in this? When we are wronged, are we much more ready when we're cut off in traffic to lay on the horn and react uh, to, to, to try to have some type of revenge? Or you know, are we more likely to react when someone does something kind for us? We, we never want to have the idea that gratitude is a burden whatsoever. There are certainly some in, um, in other areas that are not considered religious. We call them the nuns, and these are not the Catholic women who live in convents, spelled N-U-N-S. These are the nuns, the N-O-N-E-S, who proudly wear the label that there is no label, that they have no religious affiliation whatsoever. And so they, they still have a lot to say about gratitude, and I can't stomach a whole lot of this, so I won't spend much time here, but... Um, you can look this up. There are programs so that um, you can better show gratitude to your neglected self because it is all about you. So it's a Be a Better Me in 30 Days program. It's an assigned task of self-love because people don't realize that they don't love themselves as much as they should. And it says, isn't it unfortunate because of all the people we encounter, we are the one constant who is always there. And it's like, seriously, this is, is this the best we can do? Like, where would I go from myself, right? This is, but they, they say that the gratitude challenge is to cultivate the habit of gratitude and express gratitude for all the things in our lives, including ourselves, and to give thanks to the marvelous things in our lives. So we're giving thanks to the things, to our food, to other people, to even our adversaries, but let's not forget to give thanks to ourselves. So today, that is your task, to give thanks to yourself. This immediately draws me to 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4, that says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine, but will have itching ears and will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. They will turn away from listening to the truth, and they will wander off into myths. And so this is, a, to me, a prime example of that, where they just throw away everything that we are taught here. They have no... Um, interest in learning biblical truth and they start this whole thing of it's all about me and 
and, and thanking myself for me. Uh, it won't surprise you that sociologists and psychologists have done studies also that show that gratitude is good for people. So they're all about it. There are multiple studies that now suggest that people who feel more gratitude are much more likely to have high levels of happiness and lower levels of depression and stress. People who feel more gratitude in life should be more likely to notice that they have been helped to respond appropriately and to return the help at some future point. So there you go. So that's good news. Um, the grateful person reciprocates the favor, then the other person is more likely to reciprocate the new favor, causing an upward spiral of helping and mutual support. Similarly, an ungrateful person is less likely to notice help, less likely to reciprocate the help, making the benefactor less willing to provide further aid. It therefore seems likely that grateful people will have better social relationships characterized by better closeness and heightened reciprocal social support. Peer ratings show that grateful people were seen as more empathetic, agreeable, and extroverted. Okay, well, that's interesting and also surprising and to me very sad that this gratitude has no antecedent form to which Jonathan Edwards so wisely documented. It's just all about, you know, it's, it's conditional. It's not relational to, to the Lord our God. Just a couple other quick things. Um, did you know that there's something called World Gratitude Day? Yes, now this is, uh, September is kind of a low month for holidays. So we got Labor Day at the beginning and we don't have a whole lot going on. We don't have holidays in August really. You know, people start gearing up for Halloween in early August sometimes. Anyhow, so, so these people that set these holidays, um, we have a couple. One is, is another one that's a pet peeve of mine that's in September also on the 28th. It's called National Eat With Your Family Day. And you can look this up. It is infuriating. You go there. It's, some sociologists have started this. And, and you go to the website. And it's, a, it's on a Monday. And we are going to set aside this day. And we're all going to eat together. And people go, really? Like we would all arrange our schedules so that we're together. Yeah, you do that. And, and then they even have helps on the website. You know, different menu ideas. And um, some conversation starters, like really you need conversation starters with your own family? Does this not indicate that this is a problem? But it's really ridiculous stuff like if you could only eat one food for the rest of your life every day, what would it be? And you're going to go around the table and talk about silly, silly, silly stuff. That's National Eat With Your Family Day. But National World, no, World Gratitude Day is September the 21st, and they've got the date set through 2022 on the website so far, But which, I mean, it's always on the 21st, falling on different days of the week. It was established in Hawaii in 1965 that once a year we should reflect on the amazing things we have on our, in our lives, what makes us happier people. Okay, so there's that. Put that on your calendar. Then, um, then one other thing that just to finish this up, it's just also very frustrating to me that that the world is just so so closed to to the truth. Um, years ago, Nancy Lee DeMoss Wilgamuth wrote a book on gratitude, and there was a review of that book that I happened to see, and the reviewer says this: um, While I take no offense when an author writes for a specific audience, I often found myself wondering what Ms. DeMoss's intention is as she continually reinforces the idea that Christian gratitude is somehow different in essence than or even morally superior to gratitude coming from a non-Christian. If gratitude is ultimately a deep acknowledgement of and thankfulness for the benefits that we have received... 
Why does it matter if the spiritual form to which we offer our humble thanks is a Christian God or a God, small g, or a goddess, small g, of a different faith? So I would let Jonathan Edwards tackle that answer as he gives his definition to what we believe gracious gratitude is, is that wonderful, unparalleled grace of God manifested in redemption that shines forth in Jesus Christ and is infinitely glorious in itself. But, but the question shows just how, how the world does not get this. And how would we expect them to? The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. They don't understand it. And they believe that gratitude is just a thankfulness that, that you've received. And who does, why does it matter you know, how you offer that up? Um, so these are the same people that will look at, at, a, at a newborn baby's face and just you know, be thankful to somebody. Or will look at the glory of a beautiful sunset and, wow, Mother Nature really outdid herself today like what is that? Um, do you get any satisfaction in expressing that type of gratitude to this nebulous, you know, mother nature out there? Just very, very sad. Okay, well, we don't look at gratitude that way, and we want to take the gratitude that we have both in the gracious form and in the natural form, and we want it to be a hallmark of our lives, and we also want to be able to, to sh show it towards others. So we're going to look now at just some ways that we can do that. Romans 12.10 says, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. And I think we can carry that out to be in showing gratitude towards one another. And the first way that we do that starts at home. Those of us who are blessed to be married have to be careful not to take for granted the duty and the privilege that we have to show gratitude to the husbands that the Lord has given us. Beyond just the words of an occasional greeting card or an occasional verbal thank you. We know that husbands crave the respect of their wives, but let's show that coupled regularly with gratitude and in deliberate ways. You know, it's one thing if a man's boss or coworkers or friends or fellow church members show gratitude for, for who he is and what he does, but he wants to hear that from you, his wife, with just simple acts of kindness uh, towards him to, to thank him for his love and his leadership, his protection and his provision for you and your family. Don't ever assume that he gets tired of hearing that. Um, so I'm afraid it is all too easy for us to let them know what we don't appreciate about them versus, you know, and, and we have a, have a tendency to neglect what we do appreciate about them. So uh, let's make sure that we're intentional about that, expressing gratitude to him in private, but also in front of, of your children so that they realize how much you appreciate him uh, and in front of others as well. One of my favorite Elizabeth Elliot quotes comes from um, her book, Love Has a Price Tag, and she titled this little section, 80-20 Vision. And I quote this frequently because I think it's just so very helpful. She said her second husband, Lars Gren, now you remember Elizabeth Elliot's husband was martyred, first husband was martyred as a missionary, Jim. And then her second husband, Lars, died of cancer, and she was married yet a third time. But her, her life story is amazing. I highly recommend the, the new biography about her that has just come out from uh, Ellen Vaughn. Anyway, my second husband, Lars Grin, said that a wife, if she is very generous, may allow that her husband lives up to 80% of her expectations. There's always the other 20% that she would like to change. And she may chip away at it for the whole of their married life without reducing it very much. She may, on the other hand, simply, to, simply decide to enjoy the 80%, and both of them will be happy. It's a down-to-earth illustration of a principle. 
Accept positively and actively what is given to you. Let thanksgiving be the habit of your life. Love that. So, so rich. I was listening to a, a podcast the, uh, sometime back with Dr. John Piper where he takes questions and someone had sent in a question related to marriage and, and he made this statement, which I went back and traced back to write down. Um, he simply said this, most marriages get to the point where one realizes it's not all I dreamed or wished or hoped for. Pretty, pretty honest. God's purpose for you is to refine and deepen your faith and to deepen your holiness even through the disappointing parts of your spouse's personality. The fight of faith is to treat your spouse better out of your resources in Christ. And then he goes to 1 Thessalonians 5.14. Now we were in 1 Thessalonians 5.16 last night where those short commands are given to rejoice and pray and give thanks. Well, there's some other short commands given just two verses sooner Earlier in 5.14, we read, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. And Dr. Piper said, these, these people will always be with us, and it is very likely that Paul is addressing married people here, and he's not just talking about their fellow people in their church there with them, but he's talking about in their families as well. In the church and the family, these people will always be with us. We pray and we hope for growth, but we're to be patient with them all. And so we realize in every marriage that these are two sinners who have come together and that are, we're going to serve the Lord better together than we could separately. And, and we realize that neither of us wears a halo and that there are things that are going to be annoying to us and perhaps disappointing. This is not what I dreamed it was going to be because some people have such unrealistic expectations. But in showing gratitude to that spouse the Lord has given you, um, we need to be patient, admonish them, encourage them, be patient with them at all times. So I thought that was helpful in that category. Next, we want to move on from the home and talk about just how expressing common courtesy is an expression of gratitude in its most basic form. Um, the dictionary definition of gratitude helps us with that as we seek to apply this in a biblical way. Just the, the quality of being thankful and a readiness to show appreciation and to return kindness. That's just a pretty simple definition that we're, we're ready to show appreciation because remember, we're filled up to overflowing. And if you bump into us, gratitude's coming out, right? But have you noticed that please and thank you have gone away in so many different settings and that sometimes there's either no response or a grunt of a response. Um, and, and this is very puzzling and annoying to me. And I always... Try to make wait and try to make eye contact with wait staff or clerks that I see uh, when I'm out and about. Just address them with the common courtesy of please and thank you. And it's amazing how sometimes they look at you like you're weird. You know, when if I say to somebody that's packing the groceries, oh, thank you so much for being careful with those eggs on the top. I really appreciate that. And they look at you like, you're welcome. Or sometimes their face will light up and you think, you know, I may be the only person all day who thanks them. Another particular place I like to do this is in an airport or in a, in a, like a, at a convention and you go into one of those massive bathrooms and there's somebody in there who thankfully is, is cleaning those stalls. And you know what? I'm very glad that someone's cleaning those stalls. Just imagine what would happen if somebody wasn't in there constantly with all the use that they're getting. And I would not want that job. I'm thankful that I don't have that job, but I'm thankful that someone does. And so if I see someone doing that job, I'm not going to make a big deal out of it, but I'm going to quietly just say, Man, this is, looks so good in here. Thank you so much. Appreciate your work. And I've never done that where the person goes, yeah, yeah, I hear that all the time. Yeah, sir. 
I mean, you can just see, like, wow, did you just thank me? Because, like, I don't pay her paycheck. I'm not, you know, she's not working for me. I'm just a customer coming through there. But it's one of just those common, simple ways that we can show gratitude to people and, and make their day. Now, don't misconstrue this that we walk around with some kind of cheesy smile all the time, you know, that we're just looking... But we do have that gratitude in our hearts for the Lord at all times. And by the way, your family deserves that common courtesy too. So shame on us if you are going out of your way to commend the person cleaning the bathroom, but you get home and you're barking at your own family and not you know, showing gratitude to them for just simple common courtesies as well. Another place that you can be looking for this is just for the men and women who have sacrificed and in some cases are still sacrificing in the service of our country. So you see, see any of our uh, armed services soldiers in, in um, uniform, um, seek them out. I mean, you don't have to have a conversation with them, but just a simple thank you for your service. Uh, you see a police officer, a fireman, a one of these first responders, especially in the past year that have really risked their lives and just say, thank you for your service. We appreciate all that you do. Uh, we just need to be intentional about finding ways to do that. It looks a lot like encouragement sometimes, gratitude and encouragement. And don't we all love the fact that I hope you have, as I do in my life, there's just a couple of people that every time I see them, they have a word of encouragement for me. And I've done anything special lately that's really even interacted with them, but they find a way to say some kind of encouraging word. And I appreciate that so much. I want to be like that. I saw a sign in a gift store once. It's an old saying that was kind of in a frame, and I traced it back, and it was written by an unbeliever, so I'm not even going to tell you who it was because it's not important. But I thought that the saying was, was profound. It said this, Be pretty if you can. Be witty if you must. Be gracious if it kills you. So the outward appearance and the ability to turn a phrase are very secondary to the fact that your demeanor counts and that people are noticing that. And so all of the trappings of the beauty that some people have, just the physical beauty and their ability to just be so effervescent and to say the right thing, it just goes away if you see them start to bark orders at people and to act rudely towards others. And so you be gracious if it kills you. So it is an encouragement to loved ones as well as fellow believers, teachers, co-workers, when we don't take them for granted and we express gratitude as being patient and polite uh, and it's it's easier said than done in some some days or worse than others. I appreciate that. And, and certain problem people, it's harder to do this with and in certain situations. But there are no asterisks after that. Love one another, outdo one another, and showing you know honor. No asterisk like except with that sister in law that drives you crazy or anything like that. So. And what a joy it is as, as my husband and I travel around it's, as we are now, and you just, you just land in a place where there are believers there that are just outdoing themselves. They don't know us well. Some of them never met us before, but they just, they're outdoing themselves to show um, gratitude and to express thanks uh, for, for contributions made to the church at large. And uh, it's just a joy to, to be with each other and spur each other on. So next, let's not forget about our children, right? We want to model gratitude for them as well. I'm, I'm not on Twitter, but I have access to Twitter. And one of the funniest tweets I've ever read is in the book. But I just, it's one of those things that just made me laugh out loud. And it was just simply this. A five-year-old is just some chocolate milk and a crazy straw away from the best day ever. Now, that dates me a little bit. If you don't know what a crazy straw is, it's just a piece of plastic that's all twisted up. 
And yes, I have them for my grandsons now. And yes, my five-year-old grandson does think it's awesome. We put chocolate milk in there, stick it in a glass, and it twists all up and like, this is the best day ever. Very easily pleased, very grateful for simple things like that. But there are too many children that we know who grow up with this sense of entitlement and that cute little five-year-old then starts to feel like he deserves everything that's out there. And if his friend has an iPhone in the sixth grade, then he needs an iPhone in the sixth grade. And it's just very, very sad to watch. And too many parents are giving into the pressure of wanting their kids to like them. And they go into debt to provide well beyond what is necessary. And then they're surprised when their kids respond with this, well, it's about time type of attitude instead of one that is grateful. Uh, They're entitled, and they think they're entitled, that is. And if you don't get a handle on that quickly, it will spread like wildfire. We've, We've all seen the insolent looks that certain kids will give, and it's just that this just didn't happen overnight. This has been a process. And if you have children who do not respond that way, there can be others who who look to you and just think, well, you're lucky that your kid doesn't do that. And we know that luck has nothing to do with it. It's intentional training that you have done, that you're on guard, that children learn from a very early age that every gift we have comes from the Lord. They express thanks to the Lord first and foremost, but they also express thanks to, to family and friends, and they look for ways to do that. Also, let's remember that kids are very smart and they're watching you. So if you are teaching that, but you are not modeling that and they aren't seeing you thank their dad or other people that come along uh, in, in your daily relationships, they, they are want, they're watching that as well. So habits formed at this early age will take root and that entitlement and self-absorption will be stifled and that will be a blessing to, to so many. So be the parent, it's your job. It's not your job to be their friend, it's your job to be the parent. Then one of the last things is something that I've uh, actually referred to in my very first opening because people who know me know that it's this is another kind of pet peeve of mine is that people sometimes will say that thank you notes are just passe. Like they're gone. Some people are like, I don't wear dresses anymore. I don't wear thank you notes anymore. Like that we don't have to do that. Move on. And I push back on that quite a bit to be able to say, okay, who decided that? Like, where, where, where did that happen? And so let's, let's trace this back and look at it a little bit. So let's say that a family member or a friend has looked up your registry, and yes, we can now do that online. Some of you don't remember any other time, but believe it or not, there was a time when there was not a computer, and you had to find out in other ways besides Googling it up what someone was registered for, and you would then go to the store instead of having Amazon drop it off. And but, but you're still going to that effort and you're choosing some gift and, and you're doing this because you love this person and you want to celebrate this occasion with them. And, and you send the gift to them and you just don't, you don't even get an acknowledgement. I mean, you don't even get, you have to go back and make sure that it was delivered. Um, and, and that is not really the point either, but, but you, it just shows a fundamental lack of gratitude when you, the recipient, do not want to express appreciation to that person. I had a, a teach this in a, in a hospitality class, and I had a student wife tell me once that that she was a little bit conflicted because they were fairly newlyweds, and when the time came to write all the thank you notes, her husband just really felt like it was a waste of time. First of all, it costs a lot of money now to put stamps on all those notes. Well, you got the gift that you're keeping that's worth a whole lot more than 54 cents, right? But his thing was like, well, we picked this stuff out. It was on our registry. They know we like it. It's like... You are missing the point entirely. How? I mean, I don't know what my face showed at that moment when it was one of these. Anybody have any questions? And I was like, good Lord, that is the most ridiculous. 
Yes, of course they know you like it. You didn't buy them something they don't like on purpose, but that isn't the point. The point is you express gratitude in just a few sentences. This is not rocket science, guys. Just write a note that says, thank you so much for thinking of us. We, we're so glad to have that instant pot or whatever it is you bought them, and we're looking forward to using it and making some, something in it. Just say something to let them know. No. In, in the position where I am, we get all kinds of invitations and stuff, so I'm sending lots of gifts, and so I've actually kind of kept them over, kept the notes over the years, not because I'm going through them with a red pen. Um, that would, you know, that's not the point. But I mean, when I get a note that's really well written, I just appreciate it. That it just, I feel like the person convinces me in just a few sentences. Hey, they, they, they know. First of all, they name the gift. They don't just do one of these. You're watching movies, and you can get all the thank you notes done in one night because you can just go, dear. Dear whoever, dear, we've gotten them before, it's just dear molars, okay? Dear molars, thank you so much for remembering us during our special time. Um, and then they, of course, send us a picture of themselves because that, to me, looks like it's all about us. Here's a picture of us. And we appreciated the gift. And, you know, like, what gift? Did, did, you, did, you, did you bother to write down what we sent to you? Um, so, again, think, please don't think badly of me that I am critiquing these, but it's just because I teach on this, it's very interesting for me to just kind of keep some of the, the more interesting ones that are, because some just do it really, really well, and they, they communicate gratitude to you in just a simple note. Now, writing thanks in writing and, and, and this whole topic doesn't have to just be related to gifts, though, and I also just want to encourage you that you can, you can show gratitude to people in writing when it's not related to any type of, of gift giving. So if the Lord brings someone to mind for no apparent reason of your own, that that person just comes to mind, more than once, I would encourage you to, to reach out to that person. Now, you can email them, you can text them, we all do that. But it's just so meaningful if you just would sit down and, or pick out a card. There's lots of all-occasion cards that you can just send to encourage that person and just say, the Lord brought you to mind, or I noted what you did the other day at church when nobody else was noticing this, but it just really spoke to me or it just it was really moved me that you would be so compassionate to do whatever it was. And I just wanted you to know that I noticed that and that it encouraged me Put it in the mail. What, what, a, what a great gift that can be. We got a letter a few years ago from, um, I can tell by the return address, it was the son of a, one of our faculty members, and he's a friend of, of my daughter's, and they'd gone to college together, and it's like, okay, this is a letter from him. Why is he writing us? And it was this beautiful printing on the front and back of notebook paper. And he was just going off paragraph by paragraph, just counting through you know, his life being a seminary kid and how things he appreciated about us, things he appreciated about our daughter. And to be honest, I kept thinking to myself, okay, well, where, what are we getting to here? Is he going to ask for money? Is he asking for... He wasn't asking for anything, guys. He was just writing a letter to, to express gratitude. And that meant so much to me. And it's so rare, unfortunately. So that's something that I will keep for a very long time uh, and, and use that as an example. Words of affirmation matter. Okay, well, it's time to wrap this up. And um, so as we leave the topic of gratitude, I would just again remind you of, of the two levels of it that we've kind of talked about. And then to give you one last definition that I think was, was very helpful to me, this is from G.K. Chesterton. He said, thanks are the highest form of thought and gratitude is happiness doubled by wonder. So there'll be some people who would disagree with him about it being the highest form of thought, but, but we have fleshed out how we believe that is, to be, that is true. And that gratitude is happiness doubled by wonder. So it's not just a joy that you have, 
that's just joy, but it's, it's doubled, it's enhanced, it's more than that. There's that wonder about it of how, how this can possibly be and what gratitude you have for it. So let's leave this section, this, this talk, and we'll move on to another thing in the next talk as we talk about refocusing and um, just accepting the assignment that we have with joy. So I leave you with the prayer that Paul prayed to the church at Colossae. I love this prayer. I pray it for people routinely, and I pray it for you today. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, for he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Amen and amen. Sing with us. <laughs>